0: We have a global problem with meetings. It's estimated that $37 billion is wasted a year as a result of inefficient meetings, and that's in the US alone. We attend on average 62 meetings per month. 9 out of 10 of us report daydreaming in those meetings, and 73% of us report doing other work entirely during them. So if meetings suck so much, how do we make them better? Meet today's guest.
1: My name is Alison Coward. I am the founder of Bracket. I'm based in London. Bracket is a team culture consultancy. So we help forward-thinking organizations build more collaborative, high-performing team cultures.
2: Alison is the author of A Pocket Guide to Effective Workshops, which is filled with practical tips on how to design and run great workshops. But crucially, Alison has a powerful message on how this practice can unlock a high-performing team culture, one where teams can collaborate better, make decisions faster, create new value, and ultimately enjoy work more.
0: Welcome to the Future Friendly Podcast, where we sit down with leaders from organisations from around the world to share their stories, learnings, and tips on how they're making change on the ground and fast-forwarding to a better future. Hi, I'm Johnny Rogers, and joining me on the podcast today is Dane Yardy. Good to have you with us, Dane. What sort of resonated with you um, off the back of our conversation with Alison?
2: Well yeah thanks for having me Johnny. Um, Yeah I think the the thing that really stuck out to me was um, when Alison was talking about um, the process of learning to facilitate a workshop and breaking that down into the multiple levels. On one end you've got um, the really tangible things like keeping to to time and designing the workshop and as you're progressing that kind of skill set looking up to the top level of really the invisible things the intangible art form really of facilitating a workshop and keeping track of people's energy levels seeing who in the room maybe hasn't contributed and how we can kind of bring them into the conversation and can connect different people and connect different ideas like that for me was something that really resonated as something that um, i've tried to improve my skill set in Um, And I think she really articulated it really well with those multiple levels. And I think that made it really clear how you could start to kind of break that down.
0: Yeah, awesome. I think what I really love about talking with Alison is that kind of mix between those like practical tips and the pro tips you're kind of alluding to there. And then she does this really great job of of linking it to this larger impact. and, And what if we sort of, took those workshop techniques and sort of applied them in other settings across whole organisations and the kind of impact that would have and what it would mean for sort of better ways of working in general. So yeah, let's jump in and hear from Alison.
2: I'm interested, like, it sounds like you've really like dedicated yourself to this topic. Why is this so important to you?
1: I've been passionate about creativity for a long time. I think even before I knew that I was passionate about it, I just loved creative output but then through my early career I kind of stumbled on the importance of collaboration and just realized it's so important to all of us like we can't get our work done without working with other people but yet it's not really serviced in the way that we kind of pay attention to technical skills and this I just saw this as such a big challenge that we're all like all organizations face we have to work together um it's something that we have, you know, we can't get through our days without interacting with other people. But yet the focus is on the technical work. So if we actually shift the focus to working together, that has an impact on the output. It's almost like by taking the attention away from the output and focusing on the process, then we get a better output in the end. And I think it just dawned on me that even though it's, I mean, it can be complex, but it's such a simple thing it's such a simple concept to kind of spend more energy on to get better, to get to a better outcome. Why aren't more people doing it? Yeah. It just seems like a, like a simple shift of attention um, to, to sort of make work, you know, make the outputs of our work better, but also make our experience of work better, right? Because we've all, as I say, we've all got to work with other people. And often when we think about like what the biggest pains in our working day it's the interactions that are not as effective with other people. So if we spend time on smoothing that process out, then we've just got more time to do great work rather than focusing on the politics and the lack of communication and, the, you know, the conflict.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It's like I've something I've sort of been thinking about, and I guess it's like a reaction to the times we live, where things get boiled down to quite binary kind of arguments and social media and whatnot it's like work is sort of in some ways like one of the last communities in a way is how I sort of think about it. it's one place where we come together and perhaps put aside um, some of our political preferences and some of the things that could cause a lot of tension and we say hey we're here to do something together.
1: It's interesting because I kind of did do a talk about this and I was still kind of reflecting on this but like we have school right which is a community then we have college um and if you go you know we have university and we don't see our workplaces as places where we can also develop as humans Mm. and it kind of seems so obvious right that at work we are going to come into more hopefully more diverse or interact with more diverse people than we would otherwise and we've got the opportunity to learn much more about you know cultures other people the way that other people do things and therefore develop our our ability to interact with people from all walks of life but we don't see it like that we kind of see it as you know somewhere we come to get the job done other than a place where we can develop personally and I guess become better humans in a sense. Yeah it's sort of
0: a good segue because for a lot of us who workshop for a living you know it's it's part of our day today at future friendly you know we have this kind of principle which is workshops over meetings and I guess Mm -hmm. that sort of touches on a bit what you're talking to there which is this idea that like meetings and work kind of suck and like as like an expert practitioner of like running workshops and enabling collaboration like why do you think that perception exists?
1: Can I just we're going to just pause there for a second and you might need to edit this out but actually I want to throw the question back at you what is it about workshops over meetings that's important to you at FF? Um, Yeah
0: I guess like meetings you sort of tend to think of something for like sharing information like a, a passive interaction I think so many meetings we go to are like I mean it's like the classic greatest hits of like common problems, and I think what's interesting is like we experience these problems across like a the whole gamut of organizations you sort of talked in your own work to you've worked from startups to everything up to like some of the biggest organizations in the world and it's like it's so unproductive and feels like a waste of time to go to a meeting that has no structure i mean in the worst cases, if you're just being like told something you know and there's sort of like the illusion that communication has taken place because a manager or a higher up has come in and said something to a room uh, full of people, but actually everyone's gone away processing different information with that, got tons of questions about what it means. They haven't actually really like understood what what was communicated. So I guess like a lot of what for us workshops about is collaboration, and like collaboration can take many forms. I think in the most basic sense it's about creating understanding amongst a group of people which is much more than a passive meeting where someone just talks at you um but then it can enable so much more right which is like the creation of new ideas and creating new value you know and um that's kind of like the magic part right the most powerful skill right now is for groups of people to solve problems in teams you know the world is only getting exponentially more complex and it's it's teamwork that's the answer to everything in all these knowledge-based organizations it's the teams and the people that are creating value and so you have to create an environment that enables them to genuinely work together and genuinely collaborate and sort of shift away from that that meeting culture mindset of like one person leading a room one person with all the ideas
1: yeah, I mean, there's there's two things that I want to say about it. The first thing I was mean, super interested and you just hit on so many points that I 100% agree with. The first thing is, I found it interesting. Someone asked me the other day, what do I think is going to be a trend or something that people are going to want more of in 2023? And I am feeling that People are in organizations are really going to want to drill into like true collaboration. So, what you mentioned about value creation, I found that over the last couple of years, um, you know, with everything that's been going on, we've kind of been in like survival mode, really, and we've kind of been doing what we need to do to get through the day, and as a result, lots of sort of layers packed into that. The fact that we've got loads to do, the fact that companies have moved to remote and we're kind of negotiating hybrid and kind of changing ways of working. Some elements of work have become quite transactional. So people are just like, you know, we're getting our tasks done, but we're not kind of taking a step back and seeing, well, what is the added value that we can, you know, we can create by having a deeper discussion about this. So I feel firstly that 2023, maybe beyond that, is going to be like, how do we really truly collaborate effectively as in not just working together but that creation of added value the second thing um which is going back to the original question around around meetings is 100 percent. you know for something that we have to do we can't again we can't get through work without meeting with other people why is it such a pain across so many organizations if i was to try and wholesale make one change across every single organisation that I think would have a big impact, it would be for them to transform the way they run their meetings to make them more collaborative. Because that thing that everyone's doing anyway, if they were to improve it and just make them more effective, then that would have a knock on effect on, you know, communication in between the meetings, how people feel. About the way I think that that's the other thing, you know, not only what we're doing and the quality of those meetings in terms of the discussion we have, but also how people feel about work. You know, like you said, you can come along to a meeting, you're just sitting there, you're passive, you're having information um, transmitted at you. You don't feel like you need to be there. You spent an hour when you're like, I could have spent an hour doing something else. You come away from that meeting thinking, such a waste of my time. Like, imagine if you're in back to back meetings like that all day that's your work, that's your that's your work life, right? And so you get to the end of the day, you've had an unsatisfied, unsatisfying day, times that by five, if you work five days a week, then you've had an unsatisfying week, you know? So it really does have an, a, an impact that we're not really thinking, this kind of unit of a meeting where we can just make these tweaks that can really sort of filter out into so many different aspects of our, of our work. So the kind of, you know, the passivity, the fact that people go along to kind of share information um, and you know not even share information kind of you know transmit information get their point across and the way that meetings are traditionally run it defaults to you know the most senior person in the room sharing that information whereas when we run workshops as when we're facilitating the whole point is we've got a problem to solve as a team how do we all see that problem how do we all impact input that problem how do we make the best best use of all of the voices in the room to give us a new perspective on this challenge and that not only creates a better output in terms of quality but the experience of people coming along to that it's like my voice has been heard but like I'm important I'm needed here
0: um
1: yeah cool yeah so I
0: love um you actually talked to it earlier um And I guess I I came to know you through a video that a friend shared with me, and then I have subsequently shared with a bunch of people that I've coached on workshopping. But in that video, you offer this really great provocation that just sort of really resonated with me. And that was this idea that like, you know, we run a workshop when we know we want to like collaborate and work together. uh, But in a lot of circumstances, that's sort of like a special event. And like, why Why do we reserve it for a special occasion, if you like, you know? Um, like, what are the sort of small ways we can sort of take what's great about a workshop and sort of apply it across all the work we do, I guess?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious thing would be, like, how can we tweak our meetings to make them more workshop-like. And, you know, as I say, it's not that we have to run all of our meetings as workshops because it's not appropriate. But sometimes we do just need an update meeting, but sometimes we do need, you know, ways of problem solving and ways of creating new ideas together. Um, And, like I say, the experience of a workshop is just so much more engaging for the people that are attending. So what, you know, it doesn't have to be a full meeting, but maybe we can just take a 10-minute workshop exercise. Um, You know, I'm facing this challenge at the moment in my work and I'd love to, you know, get you to generate some ideas. Let's just quickly go into breakout groups and brainstorm um, and then come back and see what we've, what we've discussed, what we've, what we've come up with. Um, So it could be sort of little things like that. Um, I would say the other thing, the more, um, the less tangible is thinking about the skills that a facilitator uses um, in those workshops. And, you know, there were some really valuable kind of soft skills that facilitators are constantly developing to make workshops effective. So there's really tangible things like, you know, a facilitator has to design the workshop and they have to keep time and they have to take notes and those kinds of things. And then there's, you know, sort of understanding the content. And I talk about this in my book, sort of three levels, understanding the content, I get a bit more involved in content. And then there's all the things that a facilitator does that participants feel, but they can't see. So it's like listening deeply, it's like reading the room, it's like, you know, understanding the energy levels, like spotting when there's conflicts, those kinds of things. And I think those are, you know, as facilitators, we're always like working hard to kind of work on those skills. Like I don't think any facilitator will say like, yeah, I've got it. But those are the skills that make us um, more effective at interacting with other people that, that deep listening and the, you know, the asking great questions and they're just like, checking the mood in the room. And I often wonder, you know, if we as individuals start to develop some of those skills. And, you know, this is hard, as I say, this is not easy stuff. I'm not saying, you know, this is something that you can switch on straight away. But in your next conversation, what would it be like to ask questions and listen to the person that you're interacting with? And just that you know that's a i mean it's a coaching skill but it's also a facilitation skill so what are some of those skills that facilitators that we can bring into our everyday interactions
0: yeah I love that um it's funny actually listening to that you know it's like facilitating a workshop almost and don't almost sounds boring <laughs> it almost in a way sounds a bit dry but what you're talking to there is something which is far more powerful, far more, like, exciting, I think, which is leading a group, you know, leading a team to, like, you know, this, this is not, like, one binary, like, simple skill set you just pick up and learn. You're actually learning this powerful, lifelong skill that, as you say, to your point, you know, you never, no matter how much, how many repetitions you get in, no matter how much experience you develop, you never feel like you've totally got it. You're always learning. Mm. And that I guess that is the nature of you are helping a group, a team solve something complex on the fly, in the moment. And the skills you're building there are very powerful.
1: Absolutely. And that's why facilitation is so exhausting, right? Because you're doing, like, you know, when I, when I um, talk to people about learning facilitation skills, I talk about it in three levels. Because I think when you think about that, like from, not facilitating a workshop to thinking about like facilitating on that level can feel quite daunting. I think that's what people are terrified of when they think about facilitation. All of those kind of invisible skills. So I say, like, if you're just starting out, just start with the things that people can see because that's you know, are you running to time? Do you finish on time? Are people clear on what they need to be doing? Are you capturing the content? Just like focus on that. Second level is okay. Now you've built. You, you know you've crafted that I can run a workshop from start to finish and I can get people through exercises that's one level the next level is okay like how can I get a little bit more involved in that kind of leadership you know how can I get you know ask questions where somebody shares something back and just kind of provoke a little bit more or how can I you know synthesize on the spot or encourage the team to synthesize and then the next level is those kind of real deep leadership skills which is you know I can see something going on, like from that expression, or that glance, I can see that there's something here that's not being said. Um, But I can feel when people are feeling a bit tired, and we need to take a break, or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, And that's where I think the real magic is um, in in facilitation, when you sort of get to, you don't need to get to that stage to facilitate a good workshop. But that's where, you know, if you do want to develop your practice, that's where the power is. And like you say, that's where the, the parallels are to leading teams through complexity
2: yeah like reflecting on my own experience coming into this um like facilitating a meeting it it sounds like i'm the leader of the meeting i'm coming into this and coming into it new was kind of like all right i've got to i've got to fill space i've got to be the one talking i've got to be the one contributing ideas and you talked about it being exhausting that's definitely being exhausting and i think when like workshopping really clicked for me was when i realized that I don't need to be the one filling time, but part of the art is to, to sit back and just look at like, how do I connect this person with that person? How do I connect an idea or how do I just connect the discussion or like the ideas mm. being kind of thrown around? And I think that for me was really the part where I started to see like the real value of workshop and I guess the, like the invisible art almost of, of doing it. But
1: well, I say this a lot, but one of the paradoxes for me in facilitation is that if you've done a good job of facilitation, the team will get to the end of the workshop and feel like you weren't there. Feel like you didn't do anything. Right, and I think that's also what's so daunting to new facilitators is that they look at, you know, somebody who's done something like that and they're like, I can't see what they did. Like, I can't put my finger on it. And that's what feels so scary. Um, So yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's one of those odd things that great facilitation, well, I see it as, you know, partly invisible.
0: Yeah, Um, which is a
1: challenge, yeah, which is a challenge. That's what you want because you want the team to feel empowered and you want the team to kind of take some of this into their work. And if you are, you know, um, seen as fully responsible for that, then the team feel, oh, we need to get that person in to help us. do. We can't do it by ourselves.
2: Um, So, yeah, I guess you've talked about um, moving towards, like, a a workshop culture and um, I guess it sounds like Bracket is really about – Uh, I guess, shepherding people into that workshop culture. I'm curious to kind of hear, like, how can people and organisations really start to make those movements um, towards a workshop culture? How do they start Mm. that journey?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think the first thing is if you can um, start to introduce like look at your meetings essentially start to introduce workshop techniques and you know maybe starting this off you do need to bring in an external facilitator to kind of just give you show your team like what's possible when a session or a meeting is run in a different way the next thing is to do that more frequently so you know first of all run a one-off workshop like get everyone together You know, get get the introverts speaking up, get everyone, you know, speaking around the room, get great ideas, generate some good actions. Do that more frequently, because like you're saying, some of those breakthroughs are going to start to um, spill in to everyday work. Like that person that got the idea, I didn't know you had that idea, let's talk about that after this session. You don't know what that's going to lead to. Then the first thing is start to make this a bit more of a natural way of working. So from these kind of, you know, these scheduled events start to bring it into your meetings, start to kind of like have sort of, you know, conversations on the side. So I love it when I hear that teams, you know, they sort of having a meeting and they'll just, I don't know, get whether it's virtual or um, physical, just get like a stack of stickers out and they'll start kind of, you know, um, what's the word, um, affinity mapping. Um, And it's become sort of, you know, they just become so used to that exercise um, as a natural way of doing things that they, you know, they don't even think about doing it. And that's kind of where you want to get to with something like a workshop culture. These exercises or ways of doing things in workshops become natural behaviours.
0: Yeah, totally. And And the way
1: to start with that is just to start small, really start with one of those and just practice it and build the muscle.
0: I completely resonate with that. How have you seen the shift of remote work over the past few years? How has that sort mm-hmm. of I guess reframed your thinking around things? What have you observed?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the thing is is that I I think before the pandemic, if you'd asked me, I would have said it's absolutely not possible to run a it's possible to run a workshop online, but you're not going to get the same results as if you run it in person. That would have been me before the pandemic obviously during the pandemic I had to change that attitude and I you know I think it also gave me an opportunity because I hadn't run you know I hadn't really run many virtual workshops I had run some but not many and it really gave me an opportunity to kind of practice that craft as well I think um the other thing as well is I think what's been helpful for me is thinking about um when you design a workshop right you're thinking about the exercising activities that you want to run but you're also thinking the environment that you're running it in so you're thinking okay what room do I have available like can I choose a room because we know what kinds of rooms are more conducive to workshops but if I can't choose it what do I have available to me like what you know can I stick things on walls? can I move the furniture around oh if I can't then how am I going to work around that and almost see like virtual has been part of that same conversation It's like, it's the room that we're working in. So what do we have and what do we not have? And like, what can we make the most of and what can we make the best of? Which, you know, again, I know some people may disagree with that because, you know, virtual and in-person is very different, but it's almost like it's just part of the same conversation of the workshop design. Okay. This is the outcomes of the workshop. Oh, this is an online workshop. So we need to think about these tools in this environment. And this is the choreography almost in a sense. And it's really interesting because I was facilitating a workshop a couple of weeks ago and it was in this um, huge, I mean, it was a big workshop. I, was, we had, I had a co-facilitator and it was this big room. It was like 27, 28 people and they'd set up the the room in a U-shape um, because that's what had suited like, the, the other parts of their offsite. Um, and kind of going into that space as a facilitator, like I personally wouldn't have chosen to set up the, the room in a U-shape. But being a facilitator in that space, I realised in person I had to use my body more. You know, I had to move. I had to kind of, in some ways, fill that space and use my energy in a different way because of the room setup. And I think those kinds of things are quite interesting. Um, you know, particularly in person versus versus virtual. And it's not something that I would have thought about before, you know. It was just something that sort of came up. It's like, oh, do you know what? Like, I've got a real big distance between me and the people in the room and I'm going to have to kind of keep moving around to make sure that I'm making contact with, like, physically moving, not just moving my eyes, but physically moving to make sure that I have eye contact with people.
0: Yeah, totally. I I would have 100% been uh, on the same bandwagon
2: pre-remote work. (laughs)
0: yeah <laughs> it's like everything was face to face
2: yeah it was interesting I, I started at FF um, during the pandemic so I came in and like I I really kind of learned my workshop craft from an online perspective first and then the last year or so it's all been about okay like let's get back into in-person meetings and it, it really took me a bit to kind of get back into all right like what are those additional things that I need to take into Into account. And I think, yeah, you're exactly right. It was like, it was the room. It's like, how do we set up the room? Like, where are people going to be standing? Like, where are they going to be sitting? How do we get people to stand up and sit back down? And how do we just engage people? And yeah, I definitely found there was like such a different energy having people in that room and being able to get them to kind of move up and and kind of move around the room. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's kind of interesting that, um, you know, Apple, Dyson, you know, there's being pretty bullish about getting people back into work and I think it comes from like a place of like real innovation has to happen face to face and you know that's definitely like a controver- controversial view for some people depending kind of ways you, you see it and I guess time will only tell um, I think sort of it's hard for me to to Personally, I just feel like there's a certain magic that happens when you're physically together that you can't like quite fully uh, replicate online, you know, and you've got space Mm -hmm. for, there's more space for like serendipity and actually there's stuff happening outside the workshop, you know, like in the toilet breaks and the, the, the snack breaks, there's actually a huge amount of work or side conversations that are happening there that can often really spur along. The, the session mm-hmm. and uh, and those kinds of things. Maybe I'm over-romanticising. Um, well, I,
1: I don't know. <laughs> sort of what, the thing that comes into my head then is, you know, I mean, this is the sort of conversation that um, we've been having a lot with teams that are, you know, working remote hybrid, is that the, the need to be more intentional about those moments of interaction that might not happen naturally. Um, and it's not, you know, you can't necessarily engineer them, but you can understand that there needs to be a space for them. So I wonder, I mean, that's not something that I thought of. It's just, as I'm speaking to you, I wonder if you're running a virtual workshop and, you know, you do send people off for a break, but when you come back from the break, could you be, you know, could you actually turn that into a conversation? Like what's come up for you and like, you know, what's stirring? And so you kind of um, create the opportunity for that conversation that might have happened when people are on their way to coffee.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a... Might have to add that into my next (laughs) workshop agenda. Me too, actually. I thought about
2: that one. A huge thank you to Alison for taking the time to talk with us. If you'd like to find out more about how you can start facilitating great workshops and unlock the full potential of your team, check out her website, bracketcreative.co.uk, where you can find a link to purchase her book or check out the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. It really helps our
0: podcast to reach more people. And if you have any suggestions for who we should talk to next, please email us at podcast at This podcast is produced by Future Friendly, a design and innovation studio based in Australia. Let's make the future together today.